Typical 17. You run your hand over your shaven scalp to feel your hair growing back incrementally. One of the cutters on the line shatters the afternoon routine by appearing with a hook from one of the fishing nets caught in his ear, a trickle of blood running into his yellow raincoat. He asks you if you can pull the hook out, and you tell him you don't think you can, and he soldiers on to find someone who can help. It quickly becomes apparent that you're to be relegated to the kitchen for the entire summer, and when the captain tells you that you are also in charge of cleaning the bathrooms, you haul in the power hose used to clean the fish guts off the line and douse the bathroom, causing the drain to back up. The captain, livid, a story you try to relay to your high school girlfriend on the $10 a minute ship to shore phone calls that will come out of your paycheck, along with the track suit you've been wearing all day and night. And when your high school girlfriend says maybe it's better if you stay for the entire summer, you jump ship the moment the boat docks after two weeks at sea, spending five of your last dollars on a cab ride from the ship to the airport leafing through a discarded People magazine about Marlon Brando's son murdering his sister's boyfriend while your father tries to get you a ticket on the last plane back to civilization, which he does. You're back home for a week or so before anyone knows you've returned, and in your solitude you hit the books and do extensive research on your thesis that the Mormon religion is completely made up by white men and stumble across a documentary called The Godmakers that proves the salient points of your argument. Armed with it, you show up on your high school girlfriend's doorstep, the look of surprise on her face, the first clue that you are no longer welcome in her life, but she lets you in and you present your case, the look of surprise changing to a look of horror the Godmakers, a known enemy propaganda, and when you produce it, begging her to watch it, she asks you to leave, and you do, hearing through friends as she leaves that summer for an early start on her college career at Brigham Young University, and you're overcome with the idea that you'll never see her again. You ask for and get your job with Charlie Keating back, some just assuming you were away on a two-week vacation though you're more weary than when you left. The rest of the summer filled with news of the Persian Gulf War and worry among your friends about what will happen if the draft is reinstated. Some talk about fleeing to Canada, but it doesn't come to that. The actor who played the older brother on different strokes is acquitted on manslaughter charges for the shooting in the drug den in south-central Los Angeles. You try to focus on your schoolwork, as the new semester starts, but just as school begins, you get interested in writing television scripts and ferret out the advice that you should take a favorite TV show and write an original script on spec to use as a calling card. The idea of moving to California to write for television, immensely appealing, you send away for a sample script for the popular TV show 21 Jump Street and then work on your own about a white supremacist modeled on a recent local news item involving a high school kid and his plans to kill minorities in churches and at schools, which would be a perfect case for an episode of 21 Jump Street. But the fictional version stalls on the page. You take Charlie Keating to the airport in his custom Mercedes so you can fly to Los Angeles 
and enter a plea in answer to the charges the state of California have made against him with regard to the failure of Lincoln's savings and loan with instructions to pick him up later in the day. But you never see him again when the judge in California surprises him with a $5 million bail he can't pay. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, Growing Up in the Culture of Spectacle by Jamie Clark, editor of the short story collection, Minor Characters. <laughs>